Hello my friends and welcome to the Meerkat Muse with your host Daft Moan, aka Ben. Or is it Ben aka Daft Moan? I don't know really. But anyway, I'm talking about the World Cup in this podcast, so that kind of maybe pre-warns some of you to switch off now. And others, maybe you'll be vaguely interested in what I have to say. I'm focusing mostly on England's first game because I'm English and England is where it's at for me, as it were, in terms of hope and expectation. Not that, as an England fan, you usually have much in the way of hope and expectation these days, but that is kind of the beginning point for most of us for this World Cup. However, I will just go back to the very beginning of the tournament, match day one, which opened on Sunday with Ecuador versus Qatar. The hosts, Qatar, no doubt had some sense of optimism, some sense of hope that they could actually surprise people at this tournament. And it's worth noting, and this is something that I wasn't really aware of until quite recently, that they have won regional tournaments in Asia in recent times. So... The assumption that they would be an easy pushover was perhaps unfair. But that being said, in the end, two first half goals from Ecuador striker Valencia were enough to overcome Qatar quite comfortably and 2-0 is how it stayed. The second half, uh, I don't really think Ecuador were particularly fussed to go for it and they just played out time really. And Qatar offered very, very little. And from there, the games in that group will only get tougher for them. England opened their World Cup campaign yesterday. They were playing Iran. And again, you, you would argue this is another team that can't be taken too lightly. The, the easy assumption would be that teams from Middle East probably wouldn't be very good. But it's worth noting, first of all, that Iran... Their players would be more familiar with conditions in terms of the temperature and heat and whatnot. And secondly, they were quite a sturdy outfit. In a number of 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 pre-tournament games, they'd actually proven very difficult to break down. And one of the perennial problems England have had in recent times is scoring goals. So there was a concern this match might be quite dull in many ways. A decent defence meeting a faltering attack isn't usually a great combination for an exciting game. But oh, how I was wrong, and in the best possible way, from an England fan's point of view. England looked quite lively from the start. It was clear, despite making some choices that I personally disagreed with, that Southgate had a plan. And we looked lively. We looked like we wanted to go for it, and we were going for it. We almost scored on a couple of occasions near the start. And we were perhaps the beneficiaries of an unfortunate injury to Iran's first-choice keeper. He had a nasty clash of heads with one of his own colleagues. And in a somewhat farcical moment, it appeared despite the fact that he was sort of semi-conscious at one stage, and despite the fact that his nose was pouring blood, that he might try and carry on playing. In the end, common sense did prevail. After around 15 minutes of of 
discussion and treatment, he finally went off and Iran replaced him with another one of the four keepers they brought to the tournament. But fresh legs and goal or not, it wasn't enough to save Iran from what was coming. England picked up where they left off. And although it took a while, it took around until around about the 35th minute, England did finally break the deadlock in the game with a lovely cross from Luke Shaw on the left. And teenager Jude Bellingham connected to head the ball right over the keeper's head, looping over beautifully into the top corner. And that would also be Bellingham's first ever international goal. Good time to score it in the World Cup. And of course, that will give him a huge shot of confidence going forward. England were ahead, but they weren't quite done. Only a few minutes later, with a corner coming in again from the left, the ball eventually would fall to Arsenal star Saka, and he would simply stand the ball with the back of the net from in the penalty area. A nice connection with the ball, through the laces, in the net, 2-0, thank you very much. And England weren't quite done there either. Some neat passing and movement featuring captain Harry Kane brought Kane to the right-hand side of the penalty area and he fizzed the ball into the path of the onrushing Raheem Sterling who poked the ball into the net quite easily for goal number three. I haven't been thrilled with the choosing of Sterling in the team but bottom line is he's now off the mark at the World Cup. He'll have some confidence from that. And he has rewarded Southgate's loyalty to him. So perhaps there's more to come from Sterling here as well. So at halftime, England were actually in the giddy territory being three goals to the good. This is unusual because we're not used to that as England fans. We're not used to comfortably controlling a game. Uh, normally it's a question of things that are nervy. And if we do win, it's because of some late scrambled goal followed by some really, really desperate defending at the other end. So this is unusual. And in the second half, things pretty much continued in the same vein for the most part. There was a second goal from Saka. He cut in from the right-hand side, brought the ball to his left foot, took a couple of touches, and then slotted the ball beyond reach of everybody into the net. And then following a consolation goal for Iran, which was in fairness a decent hit, if you ask me, we were then witnessed, we were then treated to what had to be a very confidence-boosting goal for Man United striker Marcus Rashford. Rashford was on as a sub. He collected the ball from Kane, took three touches, his very first three touches, I hasten to add, of the game. And his third touch was to stroke the ball along the ground into the bottom corner, well, into the net anyway, uh, in a nice, tidy finish that will, again, as I say, do his confidence no, no harm whatsoever. So 5-1. 5-1, and to be honest, we were in a slight state of dreamland as England fans. And it got a bit better as well. Right near the end, uh, at the end of the 90 minutes, Callum Wilson got through clear on goal. Nice ball from Bellingham to send him through. He could have had a go at goal himself, but he unselfishly screwed the ball back into the path of Jack Grealish, who had the simplest of jobs, really. All he had to do was tap the ball, and it was in the net. 
So he tapped the ball, and it was in the net. 6-1, 6-1, and England in dreamland, as I say. There was another late consolation for Iran in the form of a penalty that they converted quite comfortably, but ultimately the scoreline probably flattered Iran more than anything else. England, perhaps, if you know, we could have had maybe one or two more. Perhaps we shouldn't have considered them the way we did, but ultimately football was about winning, and as an attacking force, for the first time in some time, I dare say, England looked very, very sharp. And with certain players getting on the scoreline, their confidence will only go up. One player who didn't score was captain and talisman Harry Kane. However, Kane did create two goals, and Kane typically starts tournaments somewhat slowly. I expect him to score goals over the course of this World Cup, and we'll, we'll see the best from him at some stage. He has been in quite good form for Spurs of late, but the fact that we're scoring six goals, whether Kane scores or not, is a very encouraging sign. It's a sign that perhaps this England team has more up its sleeve than just passable to Kane and Hope. Instead, we've got Sterling scoring, Rashford, Saka, of course, getting a couple of goals as well. Goals from the midfield in the form of Bellingham and Grealish as well, getting on the score sheet. So, encouraging signs for England. And I dare say, and I admit this extremely begrudgingly, that Harry Maguire did not play a bad game. I don't like him. I don't think he should be in the England team. But the bottom line is, he's in the team and Southgate has to extract the best from him. And he actually played quite well until he got injured, uh, some sort of head injury. And that was slightly farcical. There were farcical scenes regarding getting Iran's keeper off when he had his head injury. And then there was confusion around substitutions and things going on with Maguire, which at one point left England reduced to 10 men because of what seemed like administrative nonsense. But... England got through that and you know, went on, as I say, to have a very, very comfortable victory. It's worth noting that we should not get ahead of ourselves. Tougher games await in the group. The Welsh played the USA last night as well. And both teams demonstrated uh, perhaps where they could be vulnerable, but also what their strengths are. And when they were going for it, both teams looked quite dangerous. The USA in the first half were undoubtedly the better team. They scored a beautiful goal, actually. I, I can't pronounce the lad's name from Chelsea. Pulisic, I think it is. Um, played a beautiful ball uh, for young striker Timothy Weir to run onto. And Weir's run was timed pretty much to perfection as well. And the 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 coolness of the finish with the outside of the boot to, to sort of tap the ball home was was brilliant no exuberance no kind of insanity no passion and hope just poking the ball through gently calmly cool as a cucumber really to take the lead and in the first half you know the USA if they'd been just a touch sharper could have easily run away with it they were definitely the stronger of the two teams in the second half the Welsh came out fighting. They had to, really. A defeat in your opening game at the World Cup doesn't automatically doom you, but it does make life a lot harder. 
and they desperately, desperately wanted to avoid being put into that situation, knowing full well that beating England wouldn't be easy, and you can't assume anything about Iran, despite their poor, poor performance in the first game. It took a while, but Welsh pressure did eventually yield an equaliser through a penalty from Gareth Bale that he blasted home. It looked like he was trying to break the back of the net. He just larruped it as hard as he could. The keeper went the right way, but Matt Turner was never going to save it. There was so much venom in that penalty from Bale that it was only going to end up just kind of almost bursting the net, as I say. So 1-1 ended up being the final score between those two. Both teams showed indications of how they could put in England, but England need to have... What we need to have is confidence and belief in ourselves and that we make an effort, first of all, to play our game rather than worrying about what the opposition might do. It won't be easy and let's not get carried away, as I say. One good win against a team that proved to be very, very average doesn't suddenly mean we're World Cup winners. If we thump the likes of, say, now, France and Brazil, then I might start to believe, but I don't foresee that happening somehow. <laughs> Call me crazy, but we're not going to be kind of upending the top teams in this tournament like that. Indeed, I'm going to stick by my original prediction, which is that we get to the quarterfinals. And in the quarterfinals, we'll likely play France, which means in the quarterfinals, we'll probably go home. I know that sounds pessimistic, especially in the wake of such a good win, but I just see it as a bit of realism, personally. That's that's my take on it. That's my viewpoint on, on how England are going to do. There was one more game yesterday, and that was the second game of Group A between Senegal and the Netherlands. I didn't watch all of that game. I watched some of the second half and it was a game defined by a lack of quality really from both teams the wayward passes and and maybe I don't know tired legs it's hard to say but whatever the situation was neither team really got going Senegal were missing key striker Sadio Mane who got injured in his last club game before the tournament and you kind of wonder how things would have been different because they had his strike power on the pitch. And in the end, perhaps just that lack of quality took its toll on them. There were two late goals from the Netherlands. Arguably, in both cases, Senegal keeper Mendy could have done better. He came out and sort of flapped a little bit for the first goal headed in by the Netherlands. Second one, he's parried a shot. But he couldn't parry it in the direction of anyone other than a Netherlands player. And that was that. That was all she wrote. And all of a sudden, what that means is the game between Senegal and Ecuador takes on a very, very important uh, sort of atmosphere. Because it's now an absolute imperative for Senegal to win that game. If they lose, then they are realistically out of the tournament because you've got to assume that the Netherlands will beat Qatar. And yeah, 
that dumps Senegal out of the World Cup. Victory, of course, puts the destiny in their own hands and it means that they could yet still make it through as Senegal will probably also beat Qatar. And then, of course, it comes down to a question around goal difference, which can always get a bit tight and ropey. So, plenty to consider, lots to ponder. Question marks over the over the chances of Qatar's survival in this tournament. Iran, unfortunately, have possibly set themselves up to be the the fodder of Group B. And from there, we move on to the next set of fixtures. Today sees Lionel Messi's Argentina get underway against Saudi Arabia. You would assume that would be a straightforward win for Argentina. But as always with football, you never quite know. Messi has been one of the world's all-time greatest players, but he has never quite clicked at international level. Argentina will be looking to him to be their talisman. But it's worth noting, you know, Messi is not getting any younger. He is, I believe, 35 now, which in football terms is seen as getting on a bit. And, you know, perhaps his best days are behind him. So it will be difficult. It'll be it'll be tough in, in the environment of Qatar. But quality does often shine through and Argentina aren't just blessed with Messi's talents they have a number of other good players as well so they should win that game quite comfortably I'm not sure who else is playing today I know that also in Argentina's group you've got uh, Mexico who almost always make it through to the round of 16 and you've also got Poland and Poland have in the form of Robert Lewandowski one of the best strikers that the game has ever seen. He's just an insane goal machine. He always has been. And so he'll be relishing this chance at a World Cup to, to leave his mark. So could be some interesting matchups in that group. And Mexico-Poland is a game that I think would be very difficult to actually call. I don't know who's got the better overall team, but Lidanowski is someone who can be a game changer. So... That would be an interesting game to watch. Assuming I get a chance to watch it, I might not even bother. Who knows? I mean, watching every game would be interesting, but I'm not sure I want to. Uh, one might argue that I shouldn't. What with the whole human rights situation going on? And just to touch upon that, there were further controversies surrounding the use of armbands at this World Cup a number of European teams, including England, Wales, uh, and I think Germany and Belgium among them as well, had talked about their players wearing One Love armbands in support of the LGBT community. And FIFA told them, right at the death as well, no less, rather unanimously that if they wore those armbands, then the players wearing them would get booked which then, of course, creates an interesting and somewhat difficult situation because they then, of course, get booked again into a red card. So a lot of players, a lot of football associations backed down, which has left a sour taste in the mouths of many people over this uh, 
this kind of wussing out, if you like, from from making this statement. Who knows if every European team will continue to back down. I mean, England and Wales have. Whether or not anyone else does is hard to say. Perhaps in their opening game, Germany will make a statement. Perhaps they won't. One answer was suggested that you know if every team, if every team did it, then what are you going to book every player on both sides? What if they keep worrying it? Are you going to send off every player on both sides? Obviously, that doesn't work. So, who knows? It's a World Cup which can't escape the controversies, and you know, for so many, football is an escape route from challenging stuff and they want to just enjoy the football but for others it's an opportunity to make a statement and to raise awareness of of challenging and difficult issues and in a country like Qatar which has a dubious record on LGBT rights among other things you kind of feel these things should be opposed and and yet they're not and it's just creating difficult and challenging atmosphere for for players and fans alike really but but there's always more games and more opportunities perhaps to to say something anyway that's it for now i have made you ramble on long enough take care guys talk later